Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dr. Francesca Ortegren about how the pandemic has impacted people's retirement planning. Dr. Francesca Ortegren, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks for having me, John. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited to have a nice conversation with you today. Uh, You have a really great background, and we're going to be focusing in today on the current uh, market conditions surrounding the pandemic and how the pandemic has impacted people's retirement savings how, how we're planning for retirement. We're going to be doing this through the framing and the lens of organizations and leaders trying to provide a service to their people, you know, in, in encouraging personal financial planning and retirement planning. I think that's an important part of what all of us as employees in organizations need to be doing, need to be thinking about. It's not always on the forefront, but it's going to be hugely important and impactful to us as we continue on through our careers. And this is a a really important thing that organizations can provide to their people uh, to help provide that personal financial planning education and just an understanding of the current conditions uh, so people can plan their retirement. They can plan the phase out of their job uh, and organizations can plan accordingly as well. As we get started, I wanted to share Francesca's bio with everybody. Dr. Francesca Ortegren is the data science and research product manager at Clever Real Estate, the, na- the nation's leading real estate education platform for home buyers, sellers, and investors. A widely cited expert on real estate, personal finance, and, and the economy, Dr. Ortegren began her career as a professor and researcher at the University of Southern Indiana with a focus on research methods and statistics. At Clever, Dr. Ortegren directs Clever's data center, compiling original data and conducting studies that have been published on major publications, including Yahoo Finance, CNBC, Business Insider, Forbes, and more. When she's not researching the real estate industry, Francesca can be found outdoors hiking, biking, running, kayaking with her two cute dogs, or possibly pursuing other certification in research, software engineering, or data science. Uh, What a wonderful background. And again, it's a real pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Before we launch on into the conversation, anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or personal context? Uh, Sure. Yeah. So um, I was a professor and that was actually in cognitive psychology. So um, I did focus on research and stats, but I love these studies because they kind of dig into like the psyche of America. And and so I'm interested to kind of chat with you about that. Yeah, well, I think consumer behavior is always an interesting thing, right? (laughs) (laughs) And behavioral economics and such. um, Very good. And I have to ask, I'm a professor. um, I, you know, I do consulting work and things like this podcast on the side. um, So so I try to, you know, do the scholar practitioner thing. I'm just curious how how you made the transition from uh, professor researcher to what you're doing now. 
Um, it was, I kind of fell into it to be completely honest. I, I was a little burnout after just four years of teaching. So, um, I started doing some like coding classes online through Coursera and, um, I found a really cool program here in St. Louis that was a nonprofit, uh, learn how to code kind of course. Um, so I did some of that and, um, clever actually found me on LinkedIn, um, and, told me about this research position that they were, um, they had open and I actually was not looking for a job. I was hoping to get into like engineering or something data, like more data science at the time. Um, and I decided to go ahead and take the interview and <laughs> I liked them and started working there uh, about two years ago. Um, and since then I've been kind of just taking courses and, and kind of bulking up on my analysis, like analytics skills and data analysis skills. So now I work with our engineering team and our products um, and do these research studies. So it's definitely, um, it started out a little bit more like academia and the research side of things. Um, and now it's kind of, um, I do a bunch of different stuff. So it's, it's a little bit more uh, interesting, I think, to me anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah. Very, that's very interesting. And, and uh maybe I need to pay more attention to when I get these random recruiter uh, messages in LinkedIn <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I usually just ignore. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had not had that experience because I didn't have much of a LinkedIn profile at the time. Uh, many academics don't, you know, so um, I get more now. But at the time, I was like, oh, this is so cool. Somebody was interested in me for whatever reason. And so um, I'm glad that I opened it up and and took a chance. So. Um, yeah, 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 very, very good. Well, thank you for that uh, additional background. All yeah. right, so, so let's launch into the main uh, kind of meat of the conversation today. Um, pandemic, right? We're eighteen months into this. It, I, I wish we were done, but it doesn't seem like we're, you know, really done or getting close to being done. No. Um, and so, and obviously, there's been huge impacts, um, wide sweeping impacts across all parts of societies uh, globally, right? And a big part of that, of course, is the economy, um, which, you know, the, the stock market impacts uh, people's savings and plans for retirement. So how, overall, how would you frame this in terms of, you know, how the, the pandemic has impacted people's retirement savings? And if you're seeing anything from the research you've been doing, you know, around people's retirement plans, but postponing retirement plans, anything like that, or maybe perhaps maybe they're they're uh, going into early retirement. Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure. Uh, what are you finding? Um, we're finding a couple of things that don't look too great. Um, one is that people are going into retirement a little bit earlier in the past year. Um, and many people were reporting that that was due to medical issues. So either they were having medical issues that they didn't expect, or they had to take care of a family member. Um, a lot of people also lost their job kind of close to the time that they would have been retiring anyway, um, and are having a hard time finding work. So there's a number of reasons why people were kind of I would say forced into retirement early. Um, and if you don't plan to retire early, that could really hurt your quality of life in retirement. Um, cause having an extra, you know, even couple of years to gain, you know, uh, income or put money into retirement or sell your assets, whatever you want to do, um, is really important if that's what you plan for. So we're seeing a lot of that, uh, people are spending their retirement money before they get to retirement. Um, which is another uh, big issue. So there's kind of a lot going on, unfortunately, with people losing jobs and um, 
and getting sick. So uh, having a pandemic and a recession yeah. at the same time is kind of really um, having a negative effect on people's retirement savings. Yeah, sure. And, and uh, you know, I just think about all the people that have, as you said, have been forced into either early retirement or, you know, just unemployment. And we know that that's disproportionately fallen on caregivers, for example. So, mm -hmm. and unfortunately that's disproportionately fall, fallen on women. So we see a lot of people that have left the workforce um, because they're caring for children who are doing homeschool or because they're caring for a, a loved one who, who's sick or, or whatever, right? So there, you know, in terms of like the structural, um, makeup of the labor market and the workforce, I, I think we've seen some setbacks um, due to the pandemic, um, which are going to take us a while to work our way out of, which is very unfortunate. And then, of course, that plays into, um, you know, all of this discussion around the, the retirement. So so that's really tough. Uh, these are all really complex and, and challenging issues. Uh, I don't claim to have any answers for it, but it is good to acknowledge, you know, at least that this is happening. And, you know, some reports have even said, you know, we've set back uh, women's equality in the workplace with uh, ec gender equity in the workplace, you know, a generation uh, just during the pandemic, which is disheartening. Um, but it also perhaps gives us, you know, something else to, to work towards. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that there's this idea that you shouldn't have any like gaps in your work history. And I think that people, employers are really gonna have to take this pandemic into account if you took a year or two off um, and not count that against people, especially women, um, because you know in a lot of cases there was no choice. If you have to stay home with your kids, you have to stay home with your kids. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how that shifts once hopefully kids can go back to school as normal and we don't have to worry about taking weeks off if someone gets sick and um things like that but yeah i think that it's going to be a uphill battle for a little while for sure yeah yeah so so you with all of these dynamics at play and you've already mentioned you know some people having to tap into their retirement funds early um people retiring early kind of being forced into early retirement uh people not being just fully prepared not having sold off assets or, or whatever um you know what else are you seeing in terms of the stock market um you know how how have people responded to the pandemic in terms of of uh, investments generally? Um, how has the stock market market performed? How has that impacted retirement savings? Um, yeah, so early on, it seemed like people were kind of panic selling um, their stocks because you know a lot of us lived through the uh, last recession and they you know didn't want to deal with that kind of financial burden again. So we saw that we were going into a recession and people kind of panicked. Uh, financially. So we saw that a bunch of people, um, I think, sold off their stocks early on in the pandemic. Um, and, you know, who could have guessed that this would have been a pretty short recession and um, it wasn't going to last as long as the 2008 crisis. Um, so we asked people if they regretted that decision and about 60% of people who sold off stocks said that they did regret it in hindsight. Um, and so I think that there's this uh, kind of financial fear that goes along with uh, recessions, obviously. Um, but I think that's tied into a bunch of other things, not just the economy, but just wages in general. If you are comfortable and, and are comfortable in your like future financially, you shouldn't necessarily sell just because we might be going into a pandemic. So it says a lot about the current like financial state of many Americans, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super interesting, and may, maybe a, a tangential element of this. I'm, I'm wondering about cryptocurrency uh, because I don't know how how much this is fed into your research. But you know, for example, we had Elon Musk and Dogecoin. Um, that whole big kind of thing that happened, when was that? Last fall, um, when that got a lot of play and people started buying that up and you had things like, uh, oh, GameStop. It was GameStop, right? <laughs> GameStop um, and AMC, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you had just like these weird blips. Um, yeah. You know, so you have some of that kind of weird craziness. And I have to admit, like I actually, for the first time uh, during the pandemic, I decided, hey, I'm going to dabble in cryptocurrency because I thought, hey, why not? It's yeah. <laughs> super speculative. And it's, I, you know, I kind of figured I'm only going to put in what I'm willing to lose, but uh, you know, so I, I've dabbled in that a little bit, but, and it's, you know, you've kind of seen ups and downs there. It's very volatile. Um, how, how are you seeing some of those types of things playing into this? Um, yeah. So we actually asked that we surveyed people kind of right after the, the GameStop stuff was blowing up. Um, so that was what spurred the question of whether people regretted it. Because if I had had stocks and then sold them and saw all these people making a ton of money, I think I would have had a lot of regret there. Um, but I think there's there's two things going on. So we have this group of people who have lost jobs or lost a ton of income and are really hurting right now uh, financially. And then there's people who maybe kept their jobs um, and are spending less because there's less opportunity to spend during the pandemic or you're working from home so you don't have to deal with the commute. Um, so I think some people have a little bit of extra income to play around with and, and the stock market is something that's been on people's minds the last year and a half because we've been paying attention to it so much going into and out of a recession. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue. What some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There's no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of our problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws, and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. So it's interesting to see kind of like the, the behaviors there, but I think people are trying to take advantage of a system that they're starting to see is maybe different than they thought it was originally because now they're looking into it a little bit more or it's more mainstream. Yeah. 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 Super interesting. Um, and again, like with, with my own, uh, kind of dabbling in cryptocurrency, I have no long-term, you know, hopes or goals. I was just like, yeah. eh, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and see what happens. And if all of a sudden I like get surprised and I like make a million bucks, like 
you know, people who invested early in Bitcoin, then great. If not, then, you know, no, no harm, no foul, but right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind being surprised by making a million bucks. Um, yeah, but. sure. Um, <laughs> I think most of us would be okay with that. Um. <laughs> so, okay. So with all of, all of this kind of in terms of the context, the background, um, what do you think this means for how people are going to continue to, um, prepare for, uh, their retirement savings? What, how will people change their retirement savings strategy moving forward? Um, it seems really dependent on people. So, um, some people are going to be more aggressive in their strategy. Um, so they're going to go, um, invest in higher risk investments, um, so that they get a bigger return, hopefully. Um, and other people are moving towards a safer option. So I think, you know, this has a lot to do with people's individual risk tolerance. Um, and maybe the pandemic brought on some anxieties that they didn't realize they had, or kind of just brought to light what their risk tolerance actually is. And so people are definitely switching kind of their retirement saving um, strategy. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to start looking at that as a perk of a job as well. So um, at Clever, for example, we don't have retirement fund because they want us to, to invest in whatever we want to invest in. So they figure, let's put that in your salary instead of matching a retirement fund, for example. Um, and other companies say, well, you know, match up to 5% or however much. And so I think the, the way that people invest might change and that's going to impact what companies choose to do in terms of their benefits. Um, so we might have long-term repercussions if everybody wants to move into the stock market and people might need to change their retirement or um, benefits packages for new employees, especially younger employees who maybe want a little bit more freedom. Yeah, yeah. And I was curious about that. Like if you're seeing generational differences in approaches to preparing for retirement and or shifts in, in changes in those approaches during the pandemic. We definitely see generational differences. Um, and they're kind of concerning. Um, millennials and, and probably Gen Z too are saving earlier for retirement than previous generations had, and they're saving a larger percentage of their paychecks, um, but they have much less money than, um, than the previous generations just because wages have been relatively stagnant um, their entire working career essentially and, and pr before that. So, um, so it's a little bit of uh, that's great. You're you know you're saving earlier and you're saving more, um, but it might not be enough by the time they get to retirement. Um, especially if you kind of combine that with the fact that Social Security probably won't be an option by the time 25 year olds right now are retiring. So um, I'm our, I'm not counting on it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. There's not much more time, I don't think, with the Social Security and a lot of you know. If you go look at retirement calculators online, they assume Social Security. So if if you're not super savvy in that, you're trying to figure it out yourself. It can be a lot of um, like unknowns and maybe incorrect information if you're hoping for two thousand dollars a month or whatever it is for Social Security, and you know that's definitely not a guarantee and it's even less than that probably for many of us. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, that's super interesting. As a general rule of thumb, what would you say in terms of like percentage of salary that people should be putting away, um, you know, either through matching programs with the organization or just on their own? Um, I think usually you wanna save about somewhere between 10 and 20%. 
um, of your income towards retirement and how you save that, you know, whether you put that into stocks or real estate or, or kind of a more traditional retirement account is up to the individual person. But I would say that especially early on, you should save as much as you can. Um, it's, it's sometimes not on people's minds because they have other things like I have student loans, for example, that I'm still paying off. And so that seems more important at this point in my life to not have that um, as something I have to pay for 30 years or however long my loan is. Um, so, so I personally put less in retirement right now than I would if I didn't have student loans, for example. But, um, but yeah, I would say 10 to 20%, depending on your other financial obligations. Great. And maybe you can, you can dispel a myth or correct me in my own personal um, uh, retirement planning and, and habits. But uh, I, I still have some student loans as well from going through, you know, 11 years of school. Yeah. <laughs> um, and but I have like the, my loans predated kind of the rise in student loan um, rates. And so, and I have consolidated federal subsidized loans. And so mm -hmm. my, my interest rate is like crazy low. It's like half a percent or something. Oh, wow. um, and so I, I just, I, I don't even think about it. I'm just like, ah, eh, I'll pay it off maybe at some point. And, yeah. and I just say, I'm going to invest. Like I'm going to put my money, I'm not going to pay down my student loan other than what I have to pay. Um, you know, just the normal payments. Uh, I'm not going to work at paying it off early because I'm just going to invest because I, you know, it seems to me like that would be a smarter approach because um, I'm going to get more return than that half percent that I'm paying in interest. But maybe I'm wrong on that. No, I think that you're right there. Um, I think that if you have higher interest loans like credit cards or or like most of my loans, I think are close to 7%, my student loans. Um, so those are going to compound a lot more interest over time. So those are debts that you want to focus on, I think, more than saving, unless you think you can get a higher return than that 7% or however, or 20% on credit cards. And so um, it really just depends on on the, the loan itself. If you're looking at half a percent, I think that your strategy is great. That's definitely what I would do, because that half a percent is not going to make a huge difference, even over a long period of time. Um, but at like a credit card, for example, you can end up paying you know, thousands of dollars yeah. just over the course of a couple of months, depending on, you know, your, um, your, uh, balance, but, um, but yeah, so I would say that prioritize high interest loans and then saving and yeah. then low interest loans. So like paying off your mortgage, for example, really quickly, doesn't make all that much sense. Um, right. so, um, I think that's a good strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, especially right now, the way interest rates are for mortgages, for example, you know, we, we, uh, my family, we, uh, refinanced about a year ago and, you know, we're, I feel pretty darn fortunate. I hear, uh, stories like my, my dad telling stories about when they bought a home in the seventies and interest rates were more like credit card interest rates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know how anyone bought a house back then, but. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Um, but, I guess they were much cheaper back then. True, true. <laughs> but still that interest is is terrifying. Um, but yeah, I did the same, we did the same thing. We refinanced uh, early last year. Um, and and then rates are still even lower than when we refinanced. So people are, yeah. are really, you know, if you're buying a house right now, housing is really expensive, but you're getting really great rates. So it's kind of a trade-off <laughs> there. Yeah. Um, but at two or 3% or whatever it is, that's, that's hardly anything for a 30-year loan on a 
an asset that's going to probably appreciate over time. Right, right. Um, well, very good. And all of this, I think, just to bring it back to how I introduced the topic, yeah. I, I think it's really important for for leaders and organizations to think about these types of issues and how we can um, support and prepare people within our organizations to make good choices. Uh, I was actually, I hadn't thought a whole lot about it uh, a couple of weeks ago, though. I, I just did a, did a little informal, you know, anonymous survey with people on my team, just asking for feedback, you know, kind of um, start of a new academic year. Uh, I'm a department chair, like how have things been going? Um, and I had a couple people uh, specifically, you know, they specified uh, things like these, these benefits that the university offers that maybe people don't think about as much. Um, retirement was one of them and retirement counseling that the university provides to people, but you have to sign up for it. You have to kind of go proactively look for it and sign up for it. Um, and some other things like that. So, you know, they were frustrated because they weren't really aware of some of those things and they wished, you know, they, they would like me to be more proactive about uh, sharing those things with them. And I, and it was a really good point. Like I hadn't really thought about it and I certainly hadn't done much of anything to, to, um, share the benefit, those types of benefits that we had. Uh, and it helped me realize like, yeah, I, I really should. I, we, we offer these benefits. Often our employees don't fully recognize or understand the full, um, value of those types of benefits that they have and they don't utilize them. And so then, you know, we don't get the, the ROI out of, providing those benefits to our people and they don't, they don't, you know, get the, the good outcomes either. And so it's, it's an easy thing for me to do as a leader. And I think it's, it's a relatively easy thing for anyone listening, you know, to think about what are you doing with your team? How are you helping your people prepare for their future and for their eventual retirement? Well, Francesca, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. I appreciate all of your insights, your expertise, everything you shared with us today. Before we wrap up, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about um, Clever and the work that you're doing, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Um, yeah, so you can reach me at, um, I'm on Twitter at Dr. Fran with two extra N's, uh, so F-R-A-N-N-N. Um, and you can find our research studies either at listwithclever.com slash slash research um or this study about uh, retirement was published on our sister website realestatewitch.com um and i i think kind of the the last word is is that retirement is something that you don't necessarily think about when you're young or um care about when you're super young but people do and should they do need to be thinking about it and i think that like you said employers can really take a proactive stance in that and maybe provide education for young employees or anybody who wants to participate, um, or at the very least, like have a lot of information about what are the benefits that you offer and how can you utilize those to best help your employees? Because employees who aren't struggling financially are going to be more productive and they're going to be happier in their workplace. And um, so being able to provide those types of benefits and that information is super, super helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Well, thank you again. It has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Francesca can do for you, what her team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership. 
ordinary, everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.